domestic violence. Biden said we need to keep punching at it and punching at it. <laughs> at that point, even Trump was like, why did he even call Ukraine? He's doing it to himself. He's doing it to himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody's mentioned that Joe Biden moment, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's an old man. Um, so welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Joe is off getting surgery today, and he'll be gone for a while, but next week's a short week with Thanksgiving and everything like that. I'm not interested in talking much about impeachment. I'm kind of over that story. I am uh, pretty interested in the 2020 race, as that is uh, heating up as we get closer and closer. And we brought in Gary Dietrich, a political analyst that we've had on the show for many, many years. Gary Dietrich of GaryDietrich.com and I3, which he'll explain a little bit later. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be back, my friend, and uh, all the best to Joe. And, uh, you know, look forward to seeing him back soon. Yeah. Um, Well, just your first impressions of the debate. I assume you watched it. Yeah, you, you along with five million of your friends. Listen, Wednesday, man, was the ultimate marathon day. I mean, eight oh, hours yeah. of impeachment hearings, and then you get to segue right into a two-hour yeah. Democratic debate. I took in more of it than is healthy. I, I really, I actually thought yesterday I've got to take a look at my life. I was concerned about what, that. <laughs> I really was. I heard you the next morning, Jack, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to send Jack a little note. Say, Listen, <laughs> you, you need might some need balance. Some, you need some therapy. You yeah. might need some some ad- impeachment addiction therapy. Some but balance. But no, it was quite a day. You know, I, I think my thought about that was very interesting. You know, um, it's the United States of America. I mean, is you know, the, still most people would say around the world the greatest democracy in the world. And here we are, sort of on display. You know, of of people would say the greatest process selecting an American president that evening. But having to go through all the muck during the day in Washington, yeah. of we, we might want to throw the current guy out. So it just it struck me, you know, that that sort of juxtaposition. I was the the shocking thing for me the debate with the debate was Pete Buttigieg to me is clearly the front runner with a ten point lead in Iowa, and one poll has him with a ten point lead in New Hampshire. How did nobody take shots at him? How did everybody just let him have a pass? That was actually for me as well the biggest surprise. I really thought, I told people leading up to I said, well, here's Mayor Pete's moment. Hey, they're going to be coming after him hard and fast. And it didn't happen. I mean, a few slight jazz, but hey, you know, Tulsi Gabbard and Kamala Harris were going at each other more than that. As so, I said yesterday, take your combined 4% backstage and argue there. Well, Don't waste know, my time. It surprised me, really, it did. And, and um, I'm not exactly sure why that is. Maybe they want to see if Pete's numbers are really for real. But what's the strategy there? Do you know anything about that? About why not go after Mayor yeah. Pete? Yeah. Yeah. What well, are they hoping for? Are they hoping to end up in the cabinet of somebody else? Or are they? Most of the people on that stage don't actually think they can win at this point, so they're angling for something else. Well, well what if you're it? one of the front runners, you may need to be concerned about the fact that you know um, the gay community has been strongly support behind uh, Mayor Pete. Oh, surely you're not going to tell me that if you attack him on his health care plan, people are going to claim you're doing it. Well, no, he's gay. no, I'm not saying they directly, but I think there is a certain sense in which. You know, Mayor Pete right now has been seen as the good guy. You know, I mean, a little bit of the, you know, I mean, he's pretty fresh-faced. He yeah. looks like he's about 19. And, you know, I, I just think up, to, up until now, he's been somewhat unassailable, and people haven't needed to take him on. And certainly if these polls continue, Jack, by the time we hit the December debate, he is going to be ground zero. I heard a good discussion uh, on uh, MSNBC this morning where they said at least for the Democratic Party they gotta they gotta take a look at switching up the states that maybe for the Democratic Party specifically that is less white than the Republican Party. How about you do South Carolina first? 
Yeah, and, the, the diversity discussion is really beginning to come to the fore this time around a lot. And I think if, depending on who gets selected, and particularly if they do not win, the conversation you're talking about, I think, will happen. Well, yeah, if you end up with a nominee because Pete wins Iowa and New Hampshire and then cruises from there that gets that the black voters don't like at all, then that's a weird selection process. Well, and, and there's something going on right now, as you well know. The bubbles coming up from the so-called Democratic donor establishment and others, we don't have a right horse in the race. Are any of these people going to be able to beat Trump, right? And especially if you start looking at the key swing state polls. How about all the attention on Wisconsin this week, right? And the polling in Wisconsin and how Trump's approval ratings have gone up. He's now beating all of the Democratic frontrunners in the most recent Wisconsin poll that came out on Wednesday, the first time that's happened. Yeah, the and Wisconsin the support- impeachment number is 53-40 no. Remove yeah, him from yeah. office. and then not the impeachment close. numbers are there. So, you know, there's got to be concern. Why do people care about Wisconsin? Remember, that because was... Because it's the Badger State. That, that was... Well, yeah, that too. Uh, you know, but... but And I don't have a chance of winning the national title in football this year, probably. But, but, <laughs> but the important thing is... That state was seen as, right, that was the big linchpin that put Trump really in the win category. People were completely shocked, the Democrats, surprised. Bill Clinton said he wasn't. He said he told the campaign, you got to get on this, and they didn't. But the point of the matter is, only 20,000 votes, that's what Trump won by. No Republican had won that state in over 30 years. And Democrats, with the kind of numbers we're talking about in Wisconsin right now, have to be very nervous about those key states like Wisconsin. I've been wondering why Mayor Pete's getting 0% of the black vote in South Carolina, because zero is very low. I'm not sure you can get much lower. Um, And so there was some talk, I I can't remember the uh, well-known Republican uh, congressman there from uh, South Carolina, black guy, who said, uh, he said, a lot of my black constituents don't like gay people. So that's what he said. I don't know how much that's true. He said, especially the older black crowd, not cool the gay candidate. Then there was some uh, belief that, you know, it was the way Mayor Pete's handled a couple issues as mayor. But I heard this morning some polling that says the black community thinks he's too young, Mm. which is interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, those issues in his town, as you notice, were referenced by Kamala Harris on Wednesday night. You know, and she, you could tell, was making a big push. We need a more diverse ticket than two white guys on this ticket this time around. She was making a strong case for that. The problem is going to be, right now, if you look at the breakdown, and this is the poll this week, Jack, that I found in the 2020 rates, the most interesting. If you look at demographically, Biden is out polling the other candidates two and three to one in 65-plus Democratic voters. That is a hugely important constituency for the primary and the general election because that demographic votes in a higher percentage than anybody else. If you look at Bernie Sanders... He's out doing the same thing with 18 to 24. So the problem is going to be, I started thinking to myself, how do you patch that coalition together Mm -hmm. when you have such disparity in your voting blocks? How do you pull the so-called Obama coalition together? It's not going to be easy. Could you have a Biden uh, Bernie ticket with a combined age of 160? (laughs) Do you think at that point those constituents concerned about age might go, well, you know, I might want to rethink that a little bit. We're talking with Gary Dietrich, who is a nonpartisan political analyst, uh, well, about a number of things that are politics. I, I mostly think, I like the nitty-gritty and the, 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 the sport of following political races and the impeachment and all that sort of stuff, but I, I mostly think about the overarching thing. I think a lot of people are fooling themselves that if Trump is gone either 
you know, in a month through impeachment or in a year through election, I don't think either one are going to happen, by the way. But if that happened, that things will get back to normal. I just don't think that's true. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we're we're broken in some sort of way. We were broken before Trump. We got even more broken. I, I don't see how that ever 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 go back to whatever normal. Maybe normal was was normal a blip. Was normal an outlier when we didn't hate the other side all the time and we didn't talk about politics all the freaking time. Well, I, I've told people that for me, Jack, I go back to the Clinton era and I go back to the Clinton impeachment era and all the rest of that as sort of the beginning of the foment. I really think it's been gradually increasing right. steadily since then. And I think you have a very important point. Do you think Republicans, if a Democrat wins, it's just going to roll over next right. November? Right, No, we'll, well, you know whoever's president. Kumbaya, hey, let's hug, you know, and we're all going to... That's not going to happen. And you look at some of these national polls on all kinds of issues. Again, dead split down the middle. I think right now we're in a political era. That's kind of your point. A political era that is not easy, whoever is in the White House. I don't find it very pleasant to live through, and I don't know what fixes it. Uh, uh, well, One keeps hoping. You know, you hear some political science types say, well, you know, the pendulum swings, and we're almost at the apex out there, way on one end of the extreme of people hating each other and hating the whole political process. But it's interesting, that second point, hating the political process, not true, because if you look at the numbers of people, as they say, quote-unquote, engaged in 2020, who are interested in all these uh, these issues and watching this race carefully, they're almost historically high. So people aren't, you know, poo-pooing and throwing out the entire political process, you know, a pox on all of you. It's my guy, my issue is not where I want it to be. That's a pretty interesting point. So while we hate politics, hate the current system for different reasons, but... Uh... We haven't just walked away from it and all said, oh, screw it. Yeah, absolutely not. There's not just that kind of cynicism, which people thought this might lead to. Not so, at least so far. Okay, well, that's a reason to talk about this a little more when we come back. Got to bring up the I word, the impeachment thing, and where we think we are there. Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst. I'll let him uh, pimp his website and what he does there. Stay tuned. Uh, Armstrong and Getty Show. last night attacked former Vice President Joe Biden for coming out against marijuana legalization and said Biden's opposition was so ridiculous, quote, I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> really? I mean, it's hard to accuse someone else of being high when you're polling at 1% and you start every sentence with, when I'm president. <laughs> I like that joke. It does sound pretty funny when some of those really bottom tier candidates say, on day one when I'm president, I think, what are you talking about? You'll be lucky if you ever get an invite to the White House just to just to visit. Uh, you're not going to live there. Uh, a little later this hour, the survey every year that they put out of what Thanksgiving dinner is going to cost this year. Always entertaining to go through little by little. What's cranberry sauce going to cost this year? Let's nail that down. Um, we're talking with Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst. What's I3? What is that? I3 is uh, the new name. You remember... Our name used to be Citizen Voice. Yes. We changed it to I3 for a whole variety of reasons I won't go through. But I3, Inspire, Inform, Involve. We do two main things. One is, as you know, I do nonpartisan political analysis all over the country. Do find that very helpful to people. I mean, honestly, Jack, you'll know this. People tell me all the time, Gary, I can hardly find somebody 
who is genuinely even-handed. It's hard. And nonpartisan. And you know very well, because we've been doing this over, way over yeah. a decade together. I mean, wouldn't I, on, on a pretty reasonable basis, be reasonably nonpartisan? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. there you go. So we try to do that, try to offer up that perspective. Because i got to tell you, I have a lot of news directors who tell me, Jack, we can't find anybody like you, Gary, to do this. <sighs> and so there's that. The other piece of it is, as you know, we do a lot of projects, as we say, to protect the vulnerable. Most notably, our Safely Out project, where we go to disaster zones with our Safely Out kits that help make sure that the vulnerable can be safely evacuated during disasters. I was in Florida and Texas for the hurricane, certainly the California wildfires. That was born after Katrina when, remember, uh, thousands of people lost their lives who could have gotten out had they been able to get assistance to do so. If any of that sounds interesting to you, go to GaryDietrich.com. We'll have a link at our website. Um, So on that topic and with an impeachment going on right now, trying to get... A fair version of what happened during the day. I have, you know, MSNBC and Fox have been two different things for a long time. But it's never been like this. I mean, it's as if one is following a football game and one's following a baseball game. They're just completely different stories at the end of the day. You have to take in both and then use some sort of filter in your brain to have any idea what happened. Yeah, when I hear when I hear one of these outlets say, we're going to offer you highlight clips. I think, oh, well, that's going to be an interesting reel. Yeah. Right? Is that going to be the Niners or the Packers version yeah. of this yeah. Sunday's Exa- game? Yeah, exactly. Right? Very I mean, good analogy. That's pretty much what it is. And I, I, I'm saddened by that, really, because, hey, come on. I do remember the days of the black and white, you know, Howard Baker, long-form impeachment hearings, right? And, I mean, i, I got to tell you something. It's... I don't know how you get over that in a world where we can all of us dissect exactly what kind of what kind of news and what slant of news we want to take in that day. Well, I know Bill Maher's been making the argument that um, people aren't smart enough. He doesn't think the population the populace is smart enough to make these decisions I on their totally own. I totally disagree. To take with in that. all the information and and, uh, and and figure it out on their own. You think people are smart enough? Yes, I do. Well, I hope I you're mean, right. Well, here's my thing, Jack. I mean, you only have two alternatives in this in this discussion. One is forget it. We're a nation of numbskulls. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, or, yeah, yeah. Or, you, or, or, seriously, I mean, you know, you know, the people are not capable. But here's my thing. I go, I go way, way back. I mean, I go back to the beginning, and I ask myself... Gary so Dietrich found, is 97 years so old. The, no, no, I'm talking, I'm talking 200 <laughs> plus. Did the founding fathers, when they put this democracy and this representative democracy in place, they think, man, we've got a bunch of idiots in this place, man. We're, <laughs> we're, taking, we're taking control of this, at least we're pretending everybody has a voice. No, no, that's not the way it's happened. And I, I think, my, my thing about this has always been this over time, Jack, that over time, people figure out the truth. Over time, they figure out the right thing. And I think our history and our country does bear that out over time. Does it happen in an election cycle or two? Sometimes not. But over time, yes. Call me, call me an Eagle Scout, which I am. I am a big believer that democracy over time is the best you got. I think it's less about intelligence capacity and more about people just haven't adapted to the new way that information is dispersed. That's they, a good point, They Sean. think the news is still the news, and it's not. Yeah, well, boy. And here's my other <laughs> thing, guys is how much time people don't have to sort it all out. I think that, to me, is the biggest challenge. There are so many information sources, so many polls. I mean, you used to have polls from the big three networks. That was it. Now you have 25 presidential polls. 
Some, you know, and I yeah, just but think, for a lot of people, yeah, there are a lot of different sources. I've got Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews, or I've got uh, you know Sean Hannity and Chris Wallace. I can. Watch, oh, I see. So. You're saying people still self-select <laughs> yeah, exactly. the kind they want. Well, there's that too. Um, uh, we only got like a minute left. Uh, are they going to vote on impeachment this year? Well, you know, I think I think the push we were talking about a little bit of this off air. Standing Hoyer tells his gang this week, "Don't go home before Christmas. Don't make any plans." I think I think the House wants this off their plate. Come January. Then the Senate is going to run a trial with an election going on. Yeah, yeah with February with, big, with February 3rd primaries and caucuses starting up. So, a uh, quick, easy question for you. Who's going to be the nominee? I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no Neither idea. Neither do I. I have no idea. Seriously, I don't. If I, if, you know, we've had these conversations, Jack. If I knew, I'd tell you. Somebody currently running, you think? Oh, well, it's too late for people to get in now. It is. So nobody could, no Oprah, no Michelle Obama, no Hillary Clinton. Some key deadlines are passing as we speak. So Hillary Clinton couldn't get in. Could, but may not get on all 50 state ballots. Hmm, interesting. GaryDietrich.com is the website. I3, Inspire, Inform, Involved. Thanks for coming in. we got a link at our website, armstrongandgetty.com. My pleasure, buddy. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got a new break in the DOJ investigation into the lead-up to the FBI Trump probe. He has broken his two-month silence. We're hearing from John Bolton. And forget Thanksgiving, my friends. Let's have Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, the destroying of uh, national uh, traditions. That's what I call it. Stay tuned. Hold on, I have to send a text. Yes. To my wife. Oh. Make sure you're sending it to the right person. Right. Sandwich in the fridge for Sam. Made a, uh, he, he, sometimes he wants the school lunch, sometimes he wants the home lunch. All right. And I made him a, his favorite sandwich I make, it's uh, just two pieces of Wonder Bread, because we are simple folk. Right. With regular French's mustard, because we're simple folk. Yes. And then uh, a couple of pieces of salami on there. Ooh, it's a salami nice. and mustard sandwich. Nice. Some of the school lunches he likes, some of them he describes in disgusting ways. <laughs> we all remember school yes. lunches. Some yeah. of them, some of them. Look, he said the bean and cheese burrito is the worst thing you've ever seen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Hard to mess up a bean and cheese burrito. <laughs> Although I do look back with great fondness on the mock pizza we used to be served every Thursday. Yeah, some of the school lunch stuff it looked terrible, yeah. with it tasted great. Yeah. Um, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, we got a former FBI lawyer now being investigated for allegedly altering a document related to surveillance of a Trump campaign advisor in 2016. That's according to a person familiar with the case and a number of published news reports. Washington Post, among them, say that the finding will be in a report that Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz releases December 9th on the early stages of the FBI's investigation into Russia's election meddling and the review of the surveillance warrants issued to keep tabs on former Trump campaign aide Carter Page. You know, we didn't get into some of the testimony yesterday. Didn't get as much attention, of course, but that uh, woman... Um, Hill? Yeah, uh, talking about the Steele dossier being a rabbit hole and it just being crap. And so the Steele dossier... The testimony yesterday was that the FBI got played by the Steele dossier. It was just a crap document that the FBI either pretended to believe or did believe. That's right. what will be difficult to nail down as an excuse for the FISA warrant on the Trump campaign. That's what needs to be figured out. 
Did the FBI actually believe that Steele dossier? Because if they got played, they got played. Russia played them. Right. But, or did they know it was crap, but they thought, here's all we need for a reason to listen into Trump's phone calls? I don't know. That's what we got to figure out. And you got this altered document, and it's not quite sure how much of a role it played in getting the warrant to investigate Page, but it's expected this is only going to add fuel to the fire with relation to President Trump's charges Heck that yeah. the system was rigged against him and that his campaign had been spied on. So anyway, the developments are uh, coming out. And again, the report's going to come out on December the 9th. Perfect. So they're going to be voting on impeachment like days later. Yeah, this is what we need. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Meanwhile, you got former National Security Advisor John Bolton tweeting at his followers after a two-month absence to, quote, stay tuned. Bolton. Oh, boy. So now he's doing the, the James Comey thing. Yeah. Gonna be in a meadow with an Instagram <laughs> with a Dolly Parton quote. Yes. <laughs> Probably looks up at the sky. <laughs> Bolton said he would enlighten his followers soon on the backstory of his silence on the social media outlet since announcing his resignation. And then he's going to hit us in like a couple of days with, here's my website. And it's got advertising banners. And I, just, I think he's got something going on. A TV show, a sitcom, a, a website. I don't know if he's going to do inspirational <laughs> yeah. speeches or what. Bolton, internet influencer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> going to ask you to sign up for his Patreon account. Well, victory. The California Supreme Court has struck down a new law that would have required President Trump to release his tax returns to appear on the state's 2020 primary ballot. You know why? Because it's crazy. It's crazy. If you start requiring stuff like that, there'll be there'll be no end to what various states require yep. for presidential candidates yep. to uh, to run. Let's release all your medical records, your your psychological records, everything else. Yeah, you know, yep. little by little. Hey, by the way, Hong Kong is gearing up for local elections that have become a referendum on public support for the government after more than five months of protests. For the first time, all 452 seats of the city's 18 councils are contested in Hong Kong's only fully democratic elections on Sunday. So the police are out in force gearing up for this one. They want to protect the voters. Right, which is a reasonable thing to want to do. And uh, I wonder if the protesters see this as a great point of conflict to disrupt the election. I don't know. Well, But you'd you'd have pretty good justification in cracking down to try to to make a fair and free election happen. Yeah, the pro-democracy opposition hopes to win a decisive victory on the back of all the public anger against the government and police. And if the pro-democracy opposition wins a number of these seats, then what is going to happen? Who knows? Yep. Very interesting. All right, my friends. Friendsgiving has become so popular, millennials now prefer it to the traditional Thanksgiving meal. According to those who watch these kinds of So hanging out with your family, is that what they mean? No. Friendsgiving is well-loved for those between 18 and 30 years old because it's more social. You feel more comfortable and you don't have to worry about offending a relative. No, you get together with your friends. Yeah, but so by traditional, they mean family. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to hanging out with your family, you want to hang out with your friends. I think this is the breaking down of family traditions, which is definitely not good for the country. I can say looking back on it. Well, Sean, I know you had... I'll follow up on what you had yeah. to say. Uh, I I was very close to uh, flying out to a, a state many states away to join up with uh, essentially my, my friends that I've made gaming online. People that I interact with uh, multiple times per week playing games together and voice communications. Uh, and they have an annual thing where uh, the people who left 
come back to their home and they all just have a big, it's like sure. maybe 10 people or something. They call it lads giving. Um, and uh, and I, I was thinking about going to it because, you know, I interact with these people quite often. Uh, check them out. But I ended up just, just staying home because leaving my house seems exhausting. Well, okay, so that's your reasoning. It wasn't some heartwarming. It was partly that. My mom is uh, traditionally out of town for work over Thanksgiving, so I don't get to spend a lot of uh, Thanksgivings with her. She's actually going to be in town this year, and so it felt weird to be flying out of town the year that she was going to be in town. Michael? Yeah, my family would be devastated if I did something like oh, that. absolutely. Absolutely. If I decided I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And, uh, and... I, at various times in my life, didn't, when I was younger and lived close to my parents, I didn't go home for Thanksgiving. And sometimes I worked. I worked in radio, and right, I was, I was right. always a little man in the totem pole, and I had to work on Thanksgiving Day and all that sort of stuff. But And I was perfectly fine hanging out with friends. I had a very, very good time. I mean, some of my favorite Thanksgivings I've ever had were with friends, mm-hmm. but I regret every single one that I didn't go home. And I think it's a short-term play to hang out with your friends who you see all the time, and not a good long-term play uh, to not get together with the, the, the family that means so much to you. Um, and and I, do, I, I don't like the media narrative that has been so popular for years that family Thanksgiving, Uncle Ed and his politics and just all that crap. Right. Get together with your freaking family. It's the most important unit of structure we've got in the country. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It fits in with all the other instant gratification, breaking down of don't have kids, don't want to get married, don't want to, just instant gratification. What would be the easiest, most pleasurable thing I can do at this moment? Hang out with my friends and drink and eat, as opposed to get together with family where there could be slight conflict or whatever, or you right. have to travel Ooh, a little a bit. Disagreement, Ooh. Yeah. or you have to travel a little bit or whatever. It's uh, it's it's not a good trend. Um, it's an anniversary of something today that we haven't talked about at all. I didn't get you anything. Is that okay? It's, it's not the sort of it's not the sort oh. of anniversary you get anybody anything. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. I feel better then. Yeah. If anybody does, that would be really really weird. <laughs> we'll talk about that next on the Armstrong right. and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By all NBC stations, a hotline bulletin in 10 seconds. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. The crowd screamed and lay down on the grass as the motorcade went by. It was not known if the shots were aimed at the president. Repeat, it is not known if the shots were aimed at the president. Here is a flash from the Associated Press, Dateline Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead of bullets. Wow, I had not heard that audio there. I've taken in a lot of audio over the years. It is the anniversary, I don't know if that's the proper word. It was 56 years ago today that uh, JFK was murdered, a date that I know and have memorized. I've been into the JFK assassination, it was before I was born, but... Um, I've watched the Oliver Stone movie about it multiple times, so I consider myself an expert. <laughs> Have you taken any other stuff on it? Um, some various documentaries, kind of articles wondered, and things. Yeah, I just, but, wonder, I just wondered if it was people of my age. I mean, it was before I was born, but even every kid, particularly boy, when I was a kid, went through their JFK conspiracy phase, where you'd read books and try to figure it out and uh, and watch shows and stuff like that, and then you, you know, you leave it alone and move on with your life, but... 
I know many, many, many men that have gone through their JFK phase. And, you know, Seinfeld went through its JFK phase back into the left. Um, uh, trying to figure it out. Oh, that's and, right, when Keith Hernandez spit on Newman. Was that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and it's a closed case, I guess. I'll never be convinced that that Russia or Fidel Castro, there's actually an article in USA Today today about a CIA spy who was in Castro's camp and, uh, you know, trying to uh, ruffle those flever, uh, feathers again for conspiracy people. Man, the, the, the whole, the guy who killed John F. Kennedy had ties to Russia, the Soviet, he'd gone to the Soviet Union to live there. He he was tied in with Cuba. The Kennedys were trying to kill Castro. The Kennedys were trying to take down the mob. Bobby Kennedy and uh, and uh, and the mob were at it. So you know there will always be those ties, and I don't know if anything will ever come out again. The the um, main reason I brought it up is because if you've never been to the book depository in Dallas, if you're ever in Dallas, it is worth the trip. If you're into the whole JFK thing or, or not. They, they've got a museum made out of it, if you didn't know that. And uh, it's where Lee Harvey Oswald fired the shots. And you can go up there and look out the very window that he fired the shots from. That sounds eerie. It, it is. And there's still a spot marked down there in Daly Plaza in Dallas on the road where it happened. And you can walk around there. And there's I've been there many times. And there's always tourists walking around. And everybody's doing the same thing. They're kind of looking at it and squinting their eyes and looking over there at the grassy knoll and up at the window. and like, Pacing it yeah, off. And we all feel like if we look at it, we might figure it out all of a sudden here on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> With cars driving by and everybody trying to get to work. But you go up there and you look down at that window. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've fired a lot of guns in my life, but I'm no expert marksman. But I've talked to people who've said... No way he could have made that shot from there, and I'm, you know, whatever level of marksman. And I've talked to other people who say, yeah, I was in the military, I could make that shot nine times out of ten. So, I have no idea. <laughs> doesn't really conclude anything. That was one of the first things I, it was one of the first evidences I'd seen where, when I was de- delving into what actually happened and trying to do the conspiracy theory thing that you, and you said that you and your friends went through, is how different experts come to different conclusions based off the same things. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think it was my brother who is a, an expert marksman in the military and uh, and trains people in firing all kinds of different weapons, said he easily could have made that shot from there. So, I don't know. Um, it's, it, it's amazing that at that time, 1963, presidents could still ride down the street in an open-topped car. And now we put the president in... What do they call Trump's new vehicle? The Beast? <laughs> that that newest armored vehicle, I think, that came out while Obama was president, that is just, it's beyond any tank on Earth. It's, it's, it could survive a nuclear blast. I mean, it's just insane how thick the glass... It's not like Elon Musk's new glass windows. It's <laughs> oh, un- unfair. Un- he's an innovator. He's trying. But but we we've gone from riding in a convertible, waving to people and people running up and shaking your hand to presidents oh, travel. Door. That's not like a bank vault. Yeah yeah, it's like a bank vault on wheels and wheels that can't be flattened and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that we have to get that level of wow. distance now from the people that we elect that work for us from the people just for safety reasons. And it'll always be that way and it'll never go back. Uh Fascinating story, though, the whole JFK thing, and it is the anniversary. The best thing ever written about it, if you're into it, 
is from one of Robert Caro's books about LBJ. It's through the lens of what it was like for Lyndon Johnson, who was a car behind and pushed down to the floor and then gets to the hospital and realizes, oh, my God, I'm president. Um, And all those people in JFK's inner circle hated him, just hated him. And now they all worked for him and had to call him Mr. President. And it was a very weird moment. But that's the best thing I've ever read and most detailed description of what the assassination was like, the aftermath, what it was like for for Jackie and the blood all over her dress. We've all seen that iconic picture of them standing on the plane and LBJ being sworn in with Jackie Kennedy standing right next to her with blood all over her dress from her husband dying right in front of her. They had to, um, they had to do the swearing in immediately for... They didn't have to. You are automatically president. The swearing in is really a uh, a formality, um, but it was to send a message to the world, particularly to the Soviet Union. Continuity of power. We got a president right here, ready to go, ready to deal with this. Don't know what you got planned next. So after, like, just like after nine eleven, when we got attacked for a couple of days. Okay, what's next? What is this part of? Who's coming after us? You know, thought there was more to come. Same thing when JFK was shot. Is this the beginning of the Soviet Union about to launch an attack? They've decapitated, you know, the leadership. What's going to happen next? So we wanted to send the message right away. No, got a guy in charge. Everybody's on board. Everybody's calling him Mr. President. No interruption here whatsoever, which was uh, seen as very important at the time. Anyway, uh, the Carroll books, best thing on the JFK assassination I've ever seen. I, I brought up Elon Musk. I suppose we got to play it again. Do you have the audio handle handy? Elon Musk unveiled his new truck yesterday, uh, a Tesla truck. So it's going to be an electric truck. It doesn't look like any truck you've ever seen. Combination Humvee, like space rover. Uh, we got a bunch thing. of text on that. Looks like it was drawn by a child. Looks like <laughs> it was made with Legos. It is very angular. Anyway, he was trying to display the ballistic impact capabilities of the windows, that they were uh, unbreakable and had somebody throw a Looks like a cannonball. A little metal ball, yeah. And here's what it sounded like. Franz, could you try to break this glass, please? Sure? Yeah. Oh, my Well. The window broke. Maybe that was a little too hard. <laughs> so they decided to try it again. A little softer. Sure. And the, window, and the window broke Man, again. It didn't go through. So, so that's kind of funny. Well, and, and, and my original thought was, how could you have a fail like that? How did Elon Musk, as smart as he is, not test that like a thousand times before you roll it out on a stage for a YouTube video? And we got a bunch of texts saying he's trolling us. It got everybody talking about his new truck in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise. That right. it might not even have made the news that he had this new truck if he hadn't broken the window. I don't know. You don't think so? That's I know like about a the truck now, me. and I'm not thinking I'm not going to buy that truck. The windows are breakable. I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of a cool truck. Who cares about the windows? All windows are breakable. I'm not sure it is a detriment to buying the truck that the windows are breakable. You expect windows to be breakable in a vehicle. Maybe you know. do. <laughs> you don't think he's trolling? Some people think he's trolling with the vehicle. Period. That he's not going to make those darn things. I would see. I think that's more likely than because they're pretty crazy looking. Yeah, I think that's more likely than specifically having a malfunctioning breakable window sort of thing. I think if you drove that into a crowd of people, people would disperse, thinking the police have arrived. Or Batman. Or <laughs> exactly, some sort of superhero. It's a wacky looking vehicle. Well, if he was trying. To display his new truck with unbreakable windows, he did a really bad job of it. I don't know, maybe. I'm just That's skeptical hilarious. of the, the intentional bad press trolling. Show him, Johnny. Show him how powerful the windows are. Crash. Oh, let's try it again. Throw it a little softer. Crash again. Well, what are you going to do? At least it didn't go through. Yeah.
Like, oh, Steve Jobs, did Steve Jobs have any of those? Or just Tim Cook since Steve Jobs passed? Where they've had a couple of your iPhone uh, displays, and they're going to show you how some new cool thing works, and it doesn't work there on stage. That's happened a number of times. I believe early on, uh, Steve Jobs had kind of um, manufactured some of the presentations to make sure they ran smoothly. Eh, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, similar to what, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Theranos lady tried to pull off similar stuff, but uh, less convincing maneuvers. So there's a new poll out about impeachment. We'll hit you with that uh, at the start of next hour. If you haven't heard it, it is not going the right direction for people who want Trump out. It's a good poll for Trump, and then uh, we'll hit you with those numbers, discuss briefly, and then move on to other things. Because I think the impeachment fatigue is super high. Um, A lot of polls do show that People had great interest in it and followed it closely, but God, I just, I just, I just, it just feels so over to me, especially with the polls showing what they're showing. Um, and then the Congress has taken a couple of week break, and then they're going to come back. I think people are going to say, "Oh yeah, right, the impeachment. Whatever happened with that?" Uh, two weeks from now, God, that's going to seem like a lifetime when Congress comes back and tries to get the whole Ukraine phone call thing going again. You know what? T- uh, how attention spans are in the modern world. It's going to seem like it was years ago when somebody brings that up. Uh, Stay tuned. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 